Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Hello, welcome back to the Propane Business Podcast. Today, we are going to be diving into something that quite a few people have asked us about, and that is kind of business metrics, you know, the the key numbers that you need to track when running a kind of online coaching fitness business. But before we get into that, I have a question that I think everyone should try and think about because it might help you sort of see your business and see, you know, kind of what the fitness industry is at large. But Johnny, what one thing what one attitude would change in society or what, whatever you think it might be, what one thing would change the fitness industry the most if it did change? So this is a, hold on just one second. This chair has developed a lot of squeaking. Can you hear it? You can hear me like sort of creaking around in my, my old man chair. Wild creak. It's not like no. So obviously it's, it's loud, loudest for me of anyone in the world. It's loudest for me. So it sounds very loud. Um, it's got worse so i imagine with a with a microphone next to the chair speaking while moving is probably not the best combination so i'll have to say very very still um so is that this is an attitude that people have so what what kind of so if society at large just suddenly changed something okay what would disrupt the fitness industry the most if everybody made decisions based on long-term outcomes rather than short-term outcomes Oh, oh, <laughs> I like that. That's interesting. There's a, there's a quote from Naval Ravikant, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, on the Tim Ferriss podcast that basically says, like, all self-development is, is making decisions that improve the long term rather than the short term. Like, if all you did was make every day make those decisions for, like, what's best for me in a year, I'm going to do that yeah. today. I'm just well, going to... a year long term? Well, that, it's, it's longer term than like what's best for me right now. Yes. Like, is going over my calories today best for me right now? Yes, absolutely. There's no one can argue about that. Like I will have a much better time if I go with my calorie target or if I don't do any work or if I spend all day watching TV. Um, but a year, the, the version of me in a year probably takes the, takes the impact of that. So that, and how would that disrupt the fitness industry? Well, everybody would just act in accordance with their goals, wouldn't they? <laughs> so there would be no... There All would be time. Coaching so there, everyone... there would be... Because because fitness no longer has an information problem, oh, right? Yeah. That it's, there's not been an information problem for a long time in the fitness world. Like, back in 2010, I remember literally thinking that if I had caffeine in my post-workout shake, it would change the way that I metabolize the carbohydrate and I would get, I would build muscle and lose fat at the same time. I had a massive information problem, right? Like I was axing my, my sleep, my evening tranquility. Like I would spend all evening, like on my, on, you know, 
with anxiety attacks because of the half a gram of caffeine I was having post-workout. Yeah. But so now people know what to do. It's like train multiple times a week, manage your calorie intake, get enough sleep. But all of those things contradict having a nice time. <laughs> like none of those things are inherently fun, right? It's like you don't come out of the gym thinking, oh, I've built all this muscle or I've lost all this fat. It's a long-term thing. Um, yeah. So if everybody just did, well, those things are the best thing for me in two years' time, I'll just do those. And suddenly, like, it's all just about, well, I need accountability and objectivity. And you don't need accountability anymore because you're doing this stuff anyway. The only reason you need accountability is because you need there to be a short-term consequence of not doing the thing. Yeah. So that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so I just think everybody would get, everyone would, like, save loads of money. They would, there'd be no, like, infidelity. There'd be no... Sorry. Crime. This, well, this is a big. If everyone was really good at saving money, would it be then impossible to save money through the current ways that most people normally get rich? Because there wouldn't be the asymmetric people that get into big debt. I don't know if that's economically true, but I think about that. Like, if enough people decide that spending things on frivolous stuff is bad, does the economy just collapse? <laughs> Yeah. Or does it not because you're investing in stuff that's growth for long term and growth is theoretically, it's theoretically infinite, but there are only so many resources on earth. I know this is probably getting a bit into the weeds, so we might retract. So but. it assumes that like, it assumes that saving money means you can't spend money, which obviously it means you can spend less. Yeah. But long term, people can spend more if they save. So like, I suppose some financial institutions that rely on high interest, like payday loans, would be worse. But probably more people would be able to get a mortgage overall because they'd have the deposit. Um, and like also the, the money supply expands. Over. Well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, this is becoming <laughs> like something out of The Economist. The propane economist podcast. <laughs> but what was your thing? You said you said you had a good answer to it. Was, yeah, you're, you're completely wrong, mate. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Your idea about long-term is just false. No, you just change what people thought was attractive. Right. If everyone thought being overweight was really attractive, like if, if everyone was like the feeders that you see on like end of the fitness industry, gone. Yeah. So that, I think it used to be that, right? Like, Back in sort of the early 1900s, I think being pale and Henry VIII, yeah, war, yeah, yeah. But even in like Victorian England, I think being pale and overweight was a sign of wealth. This is now the propane history hour. Because <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong, right? But I think like what it signified was you didn't have to work outside. Yep. You weren't tanned. You could stay inside, and you had more than enough food to eat, so you, you'd gained weight. Um, but there was no Instagram back then. That's the difficulty. So we don't know. If that suddenly changed, that like, you know, everyone that was the person who was the heaviest was got the most attention. I think, well, although theoretically, no, I think you can just linearly, like not lifting weights is probably still a better way to get just heavier in terms of maths. Like if the people that weigh like, you know, like the 500 pound documentary people that need like a crane to get out of bed. <laughs> Yeah. If they weight trained, they would probably lose weight. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to gain enough muscle that it would interchange. It's easier to gain fat than it is to gain muscle. Muscle's heavier, but it's more energy expensive. 
Or, or then would the fitness industry change to just bulking? Would it just... Well, it would be that it would be like the it would be an industry that was all about helping people like circumvent, um, like satiety. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be like how to. I so I when I think of when I think of hunger and satiety, I always think of potato. So I think the best example of how how you can really mess with your hunger and fullness signals is imagine buttery mashed potato. Yeah. And then imagine a dry baked potato and imagine how you'd feel after eating those, like how easy one is to eat and you yeah. eat it like barely eating anything. Whereas like half an hour later when you're still like picking away at the dry jacket potato and your mouth's like hard to open and close because it's so dry. <laughs> that's like, that's how to make dieting easy and or weight gain easy. So it would just be an industry of people who are like making things really um, sloppy. Really sloppy and yeah. you gotta stay sloppy that's the rule if you if the goal is to gain as much weight as possible sloppy foods your, your best friend right so on that bombshell <laughs> it's time to dive in to the kpis that you need to track when running an online fitness coaching business so johnny i think you know we, we had a little talk before this and you have a lot of metrics here so if you're not a numbers person you may have to rewind this a couple of times to keep track of what he's saying um but yeah so just as a kind of preface why do you think it's so important to track anything in a business why can't you just do a lots of things and hope it grows so business is um so like alex has experienced this over like a a little bit i suppose over the last six months that like i always feel that like being being a business owner is like being a boat on the surface of the water during a storm (laughs) <laughs> so like if you're an employee in a big business and there's a storm you're like a mile under the surface in a submarine and you hear about a storm but you it's like oh, apparently it's really bad up there and it's like yeah it doesn't matter down here like we're fine in the submarine whereas the owner is like desperately like paddling the boat on the surface of the waves That's the, the point <laughs> the point is is that like business inherently like whether it's going bad or good is just a very emotional thing like things go wrong, things go well, things go well, you start making rash decisions, things go wrong, you start panicking and making rash decisions. And it's quite, it can be quite hard to regulate yourself positively and negatively to sort of keep an even keel. Um, and you make assumptions, right? You make assumptions about things that maybe aren't true. So if you have the numbers that underpin what's going on, that just always brings you back to the center it always like brings you back to, well, this is where things actually are. Like you can't falsely inflate or, you know, they're never going to tell you something that isn't true. It's always going to tell you something that just is exactly as is. Like the amount of cash in the bank account, that is a representation of the last year of, of your business, for example, or the like total number of clients. That's a, a the easiest representation of your marketing, your coaching, all these sorts of things. So sometimes I'll ask people on calls and this, I suppose all of this is more relevant for people who um, have been, like do have a business who, who don't necessarily, and if you don't have a business, don't worry about most of these numbers, but you should think to get these things in place as you're growing, as you're getting more clients. And it applies offline as well. Almost all of these, in fact, they all apply offline um, to gyms, especially where there's a larger, larger fixed cost. Um, but yeah, it just, it's easier to see what's going on. It's easier to regulate yourself. It can be stormy for half an hour, but you think, well, it'll be all right because 
the weather's due to clear. Mm-hmm. Um, or like it's been, it's been stormy before and the boat didn't fall apart and all that sort of stuff. And if you've got the numbers, you, you can, there's just a bit of separation between sometimes how things make you feel. Um, like when a client cancels or when you get a client refers five people or something like that. And it, it really affects you emotionally. Um, if you've yeah. got the, the data to tell you what's actually going on, you're able to stay more consistent in the things that yes. you do. So that's, I think that's the main reason other than the fact that obviously like, it's a business, right? Like a lot of businesses fail because they run out of money. Why do they? Why do they run out of money? Well, presumably somebody didn't look to see how much money they had or didn't think, well, how, when what, when might we run out of money? Yeah. Why don't we have that conversation? So that, that sort of thing. Um, obviously, I'm biased because like I have a background in this stuff, but I think there's, there are some simple things that everyone should know, really, like off the top of their head, um, as like health markers. It's like the calories and the progressive overload of, of business management is a few of these things. All right. Well, we might as well dive straight into them then because there's quite a few. Um, so kind of, what's, the, what's the first one? It doesn't have to be in order of importance, but just what's the first one that comes to mind in terms of if you're running a fitness business, you should kind of know this or know kind of what it was last month or, or you know, what, whatever that is. What, what should you know off the top of your head? Uh, so I think the most important th- the most important thing for any business is the net cash flow. So you can get caught up in like revenue and profit and all the accounting terms and those things matter. But from the point of view of like running your business, as you start to accumulate costs, as you start to have bits of software, as maybe you're paying for advertising, maybe you have people coming on board and helping you. Maybe if you're working in a gym, you're paying for rent, you're paying for travel, you're paying for some equipment, you've got some professional development, whatever. And then you have your income. Some a lot of the a lot of the time, especially someone self-employed, it's like in and out of the same bank account where like their Spotify subscription comes out of, and like you know where they like loan their friends a tenner and all that sort of stuff. All happens in one. And if you know like net at the end of the month, cash inflows, cash outflows, accounting for well, I owe this much tax at the end of the year, etc. That's my position. Like I I did all these things, I was this busy, and at the end of it, what was left over was five hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Great. That's your like calorie deficit or your calorie surplus financially. So I think that if that is going in the right direction. And what is the right direction more? Yes. <laughs> if we assume that like you, you live in a world and you want to play the game where you need more money to buy goods and services and live, often having more of it helps other things, right? Even if it's just reinvesting back in your business or like buying buying the Lambo or the Audemars PK watch or whatever it is that you want, right? Or like paying your rent and staying it's alive. Like a hint for a Christmas list, Johnny. <laughs> hey, if anyone wants to buy me a Lamborghini, that's fine. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm receptive to that. Although, to be honest, it would just be a ball lake to run. Yeah, that would be some cost. Your net would go down. That would affect my net cash. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so um, if you really want to fuck another business over, buy them some Lamborghinis. <laughs> Because that's the sort of thing you go out to it and you realise that like it's got a flat tire and the engine doesn't start. You're like, oh god, fifty oh, grand to fix. Um, yeah. So no, knowing that, you know, if if um, it's it's like the advice, isn't it? If like if you're in a calorie deficit, you can be doing a lot of things wrong. You'll still lose weight. Your exercise routine might not be perfect. Your diet might be crap from a nutritional perspective, but 
over six months, you'll still be lighter. You still look better. Probably the goal is fat loss in the same way. Like you could, you could even be being really sort of wasteful with your spending. You could have clients come and go all the time. It could be lots of mess, but if each month there's just an extra thousand quid or thousand dollars left over and you're building up a bit of a, like a, a war chest as is often referred to of, of cash as a reserve, then that makes you just safer and safer as a business owner, right? If something goes wrong or you have to pay more rent to the gym or you go for two months where client all your clients leave or like in 2020, gyms close and, and suddenly you have to stop operating, but you've built up a bit of a cash buffer. It's just the easiest health sign of what's going on. Um, and it's one of the benefits of being a business owner is you can do that. It's very hard to do that if you don't have control of all of the costs and all of the, if you're you know, running a business, you can, you can control what you spend and what you earn as a business owner. So you can turn one up and turn one down. So that's the first thing. Um, second thing, or, or the next two things are monthly recurring revenue and monthly recurring costs. So yeah. those are just the things that if like, so this is very applicable for online. If you follow kind of the advice that we have or the advice that we give, which is that you should be building a, a, a group of recurring clients who are paying you 100, 200 pounds a month. And you, you build that number up over time, you're building a monthly recurring revenue. In other words, if next month I decided I'm not going to send an email, I'm not going to post an Instagram, I'm not going to run a Facebook ad, I'm not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. What's still there, right? That's, the, that's that number. It's the, the number that recurs every month, predictably, on a recurring basis. Knowing that, like that is, an, is another health marker. It's another sign of where are things trending, right? If that number increases, it's a good sign, obviously. Um, and it also means that if you want to, you can like scale back your hours for a month or you can... Um, Drive the Lambo around for a few weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you know, if you've got, if you've got 10 grand a month you're occurring and you want to spend three grand of that on a Lamborghini each month, then... Then you can. Exactly. Great. Yes. As you were saying. No, no, no. Like that's, it. that's it. It's 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 simple as that. So like if you imagine like you don't know anything about the finances of your business, you're not an accountant, and you find it already confusing. But you know at the end of the month, cash inflows and cash outflows, accounting for things that you owe, tax and things like that. And you know what your forecast you know what you're likely to make next month, because you know what your monthly recurring is you're in at least the top quartile of PTs doing this online, right? Which, and knowing that stuff gives you more options, right? You can make better decisions. You can see things more clearly because you're like, I see what's going on. I know if there's a problem, I'm going to spot it, right? If that net cash figure goes negative, I'm going to know. If my monthly recurring starts going down, I'm going to know. So this stuff can seem very simple when you have a handful of clients and you don't really have much in the way of cash flow. But as things get bigger, you get more clients and things start getting messy and people are leaving and starting and restarting on different rates and different times and costs are going up. These things can really quickly get away from you. So having like good habits from day one is really important. Go on. Well, I was going to say, and how would you, what does a good habit look like in terms of financial tracking? Like if I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to know these things. You know, how do I wrangle all of the different horses all my different money horses, how do I wrangle them and put them in a stable and go, oh, this is actually how many horses there yeah. are. That's my horses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
what, what, what do you think are the best strategies that, that you kind of, I mean, obviously you worked in accounting, so I think it can't, it's sort of at this point comes naturally to you. Um, but if I'm like, you know, I, yeah, what, how, what would you say like, oh, I've got today, I want to sit down and kind of look at just these numbers that we've just talked about, the recurring monthly costs and the recurring monthly um, in, income. Yeah, so yeah, so net net cash is simply just like a bank online banking download, right? Like mm-hmm. taking your taking your income and your expenses from a month, downloading it, totaling it in two columns and seeing which number's bigger, right? Um the monthly recurring and the monthly recurring costs, again, some of that's bank statements, just what happened. And some of it is something like Stripe, if you have subscriptions or PayPal. Now, unfortunately, all of this, like the most basic version of all of this without getting into more complex software and making it harder for people, it does just come down to getting and becoming comfortable with a very, very basic use of Excel or Google Sheets or Apple numbers or whatever. Like you're going to, some people like react negatively at that. They're like, oh, I hate that stuff. I don't want to get involved in it. And I, I do understand that because these things can get very advanced and very complicated but in the most basic versions they're really not that hard to use and it just makes a lot of this stuff really simple so even just keeping track of like tabs on a spreadsheet of like january february march april totals seeing what's going on it can be as basic as you want it to be right but having it versus not having it's a big big difference even if it's just numbers and words in cells on a spreadsheet in a total Right, you you're immediately move, you've moved a hundred percent in the right direction. Um, so you just have which costs go out every month, no matter what. And is this sorry? I just want to because I know people are going to want to be specific with this. Yeah, sure. Is this all of your spending, or is it just your business spending? So I, I mean, I'm going to assume for this that like this is a this is a business you're running. Um, so yeah, I would keep it. I think you should be keeping it separate anyway for for simplicity. But mm-hmm. personal finances, I guess, are a different thing. Yeah, no, no, of course. No, I, I was just like, just I just wanted to make that clear to people that you don't like because you said online banking, and if the Spotify account is the same as your, uh, I see, account, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you'll look at your online banking statement and be like, well, I just I just wanted to make that distinction clear for people, uh, just because you know, don't yeah. want to give misleading advice there. Um, yeah, but just well, so I, I should say with all of this, I guess like this is not accounting or business formal business advice, right? This no. is best practice that we do this is our experience so like if you if you need proper help with this stuff go and get an accountant like it's it simplifies things so i suppose that's the biggest tip right is don't try and do all of this stuff yourself from a so i suppose these numbers are, are really they're not so that you're like you have your tax affairs in order or that you have your accounts in order all of that stuff and running your business in that way go and get professional help for that yeah this is more about how do I sort of think about making operational decisions and and grow my business on like the marketing side of things? Because ultimately making more, generating more revenue and the costs associated with that is important. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of the angle I'm coming from. So um, looking at your monthly recurring, look at their revenue and costs just gives you a health. Uh, it's all of this is like the, the health sides of the business. So cash in, cash out, what's going to, what's likely to come in and what's likely to go out next month gives you a bit of a clear like right i understand what's going on i've got a, like a snapshot of it great so that's the finances the next category would be which is what i suppose most people would be expecting us to talk about which is the marketing side 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, all of this, I'm assuming here that you have some kind of uh, like marketing and sales process. Um, if you don't, like none of this is going to make sense. And I suppose if none of this makes sense and you're like frantically posting on social media every day and thinking, well, why did I know these numbers? It's like a representation of the fact that um, posting on social media every day is not really running a business. Yeah. It's like you're, you're going to run not in control of the ship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so looking at things over a 30-day period or like month to date is um, always the most, like I think it's the shortest time frame that's realistic. Because if you start looking at daily things and weekly things. And when you say things, it's in relation, relation to marketing. Okay, you're going to talk yes. about that. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. So like, when, like when it comes to uh, how well am I doing on my social media strategy or my marketing strategy, and you look at it this week, like you might be doing everything right. It might just not have kicked in yet. You might be doing everything right, but it was a bit of an off week, right? Or it might have been a really good week and, and not representative. So we look at like month to date numbers for how many leads did I get? And by leads is opt-ins. So someone gives you an email address, someone gives you their contact information. It's like step one of the marketing process. We've spoken about that in the, in the series um, where we spoke about marketing and sales, which I'm not sure whether that's released yet. It's, in, not, it's, it's not, not released yet. Um, uh, it might be. So it's releasing Wednesday, December. So the first Wednesday in December. Oh, no, that's already today. Damn. <laughs> the second Wednesday in December is when it'll be released. And when you say it's today, it's today, but not today in podcast land. No, today in real world land. In recording land, but in podcast land, who's no, who knows what day it is? No, exactly. This could be 2021. 2045. You might be listening to this in Mars. God. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yes. So this is the opt-in. So le- counting how many leads you got months yep. Yes. So like, it's very hard to get sales without an opt-in, right? Without a lead. Because um, someone generally has to go through something. Like we're not selling sort of mugs with smiley faces on, right? Where someone will just go on your website and buy them because they think it's a, a nice Christmas stocking filler. This is something that people ask have to make a decision about. So generally they opt in first. So leads, month to date, or last month, or this month. Sales, month to date, this month or last month. And that gives you your sales conversion percentage so sales divided by leads and that is basically how good is your sales funnel right what is the percentage of um, people who are kind of raising the hand of of interest who are interested how many of them are you actually getting over the line and getting to pay you and that's a, a a pretty good indicator of like how good is your marketing and sales so marketing is is like the the interest gathering so if your marketing's good, generally you have really good lead flow. You have a lot of people opting in. If you're spending money on advertising, usually the leads are pretty cheap. If your sales is good, in other words, how many people who are interested am I converting into customers, then usually your sales conversion will be pretty good. And that as well gives you a nice snapshot. So it kind of pulls you out of all the all the details and the weeds of all the stuff that everyone gets caught up in. Right. And when you zoom out and you just look at the honest numbers of it, of how many leads did I get? How many sales have I made? What are my conversions? And if you don't have those numbers, that by itself is the biggest, uh, imagine the biggest alarm you can imagine going off in the room, with a <laughs> big shine, like flashing red light and a klaxon like that. It's telling you that like marketing and sales is a massive weakness for you. Huge yeah. weakness. 
Um, and eventually it'll just be the thing that, that stops the business from working. Um, you can then, if you are running advertising, think, knowing things like um, the the numbers are, or the words are CPA or cost per acquisition. So in other words, how much money do I have to spend in advertising to get one person to buy from me? Mm-hmm. Average order value, which is when that person buys, on average, how much do they spend? And then lifetime value, which is when that person spends something, how much more do they spend, right? So put simply into an online business, if I spend 100 quid to get a person who pays me 150 quid, and then that person stays for eight months and spends 100 pounds a month, that's my, I spent 100 pounds cost per acquisition, my average order value on day one is 150. And then my lifetime value is either, I mean, it's normally an average, right? Mm -hmm. But it's either how much does someone spend over the lifetime working with me? Or like, are they buying other things? Are they buying other services as well? All of those numbers really tell you everything you'd ever need to know about how good is your marketing. And even with the lifetime value, how good is your coaching as well? Mm -hmm. So if you're getting a ton of people paying you 150 for your first program and your average lifetime value is 150, that's a second big alarm going off in your room with a big klaxon. It's slightly smaller and it's blue, this one, but it is still going. Yeah. I suppose like you're doing something right. Yeah, you're right. Because I suppose the big one's saying like something's majorly wrong. System error, fatal error here. Fatal error. And then the, yeah. the small blue one's like, it's not fatal, but if you don't get a handle on this, like you're just going to start getting a bad reputation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that's marketing. Like if you know those numbers and those numbers are trending in the right direction, you're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're probably all good. So, yeah. Uh... So I think like probably listening to this, because I've listened to stuff like this before in the past, years ago when we had when we knew none of this stuff. Yeah. And it make it, it makes it gives you this feeling of like, oh shit, I'm so far off. I'm so far away from where I need to be because I don't know what any of these numbers are. Yeah. Um and that can sometimes almost be like, well, what's the point? Yeah. I think just take it if that is what you're thinking as you listen to this, take it as a take it as a sign that you need to at least start putting some of this stuff in place. Like if your finances are all over the place, it that, you know, as long as the like the legal side and the accounting side is taken care of by, by a professional, fine. But it just makes running things harder if you don't know how much money you're making. Um, and then on marketing, if you're really busy all the time with your marketing, like you're spending lots of time on it mm-hmm. and it is or it isn't working, you could just be, like the, the worst thing anybody can do, which is just fully, fully wasting your time yeah. on things that may just have never, ever worked. Yeah. So it, it's like someone seeing a, a photo of themselves for the first time when they're overweight, they're more overweight than they thought, or like stepping on the scales for the first time in a year and they've gained a stone. And they're like, oh God, you know, it's like face to face with reality. And yeah. suddenly if you're looking at this and you think, I don't know any of these, that's your like, business and marketing version of that yes and that like it's a sign that okay great you've had that realization look what's possible like imagine what it'd be like if i got my nutrition in order if i was healthy if i trained etc it's the same like imagine if i knew all these numbers how much more would i enjoy doing all of this if it wasn't just well oh shit i haven't posted on my instagram story yet today i feel really guilty about it oh hold on 30 day leads 30 day sales average conversion are all trending up i'll not bother Right. Or like, I don't need to do any of that because things are still moving in the right direction. 
that that's awesome and i mean really that like to anyone listening if you can take that away and action that you're just going to be in a, a much better place because uh, i mean it really does have analogies with health and fitness and with yeah. like that emotional sort of like one sort of emotionally trying to figure stuff out without looking at without having like progressive overload or calorie deficit any of those things and then just like the realization of oh oh no like the end of a uh, usual suspects <laughs> <laughs> when kevin spacey's limping out you know, oh no <laughs> these guys are so saying so saying um but it's, it's, it's really like that and that and i think you know if we're you know you've probably listened to this if you're a fitness coach you will kind of understand that from a fitness perspective and understand that it's very much it's just the same version of that for a money perspective because i think money can just be scary for people just because it has a lot more emotional connotations it has a lot more like societal stuff i mean they're kind of similar in terms of fitness and stuff like that like there's a lot but there's a lot of judgment there's a lot of fear um there's a lot of like weird advice out there they're very similar industries money and fitness Mm. um but understanding like, oh, hold on, when I, when I treat clients that are doing this, okay, look, why do we, they have things to track? Why the hell am I not doing that for my own business? And, and just understand that, you know, can practice what you preach almost in a, in a, yeah. in a sense of how you run your business. Does that, does that make I, sense? I remember um, in, when I was, so Eric Helms was, was doing a reverse diet with me and Yusuf at the same time. Mm-hmm. Most people listening to this probably know what a reverse diet is, but it's like, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Comfortably the hardest thing I've ever done. So like you're linearly looking worse in the mirror. You are like adding calories really, really slowly, but you're still under the threshold of just feeling full on a, on a daily basis. And it's done in increments of like 15 grams. Um, but what's so good about it is there's a level of precision and it's the same when dieting, right? Like there's a level, because you've created this environment where you know exactly what your numbers are, there's a level of precision whereby like I'm sat, like Yusuf and I was sat like refreshing the email, waiting for the email from him. And it would be like, add 50 grams, add 15 grams of carbs. And I'd have like half a rice cake waiting, ready to go, right? <laughs> but like, and the weirdest thing about that was over a week, you could feel the effects of an extra 15 grams of carbs a day because everything's so dialed in. And it's the same with like knowing your marketing and sales, right? So like we, we do this all the time where we'll, we'll experiment with like changing the phrasing on a certain page to see what happens on a percentage point and what happens on the, the throughput of everything. Yeah. And when you, ha- when you know all of the numbers, you can do that and it, you can see the effect of it. When everything's chaotic and you don't know any of the numbers, it's like someone trying to lose weight by like cutting out bread for a day. Like, yes, it might work because you've eaten fewer calories, but like it also might not have worked and, and probably just created a lot of discomfort for the person who really liked bread. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with like training, you know, imagine like when you, when you know you're training so well that like you can add a set to lower body movements and you increase your volume and you increase your progression that requires someone who knows what their training looks like on a weekly basis and those are numbers so that's like some people don't like it some people think that this is all like boring and accounting and i don't want to do my numbers but the people who are still doing this in five years time are going to be the people who make decisions like this because they they tend to be the tiny little adjustments that create big effects rather than like they're able to look at all of the things they do in a month or in a week and say is this actually changing 
the the big numbers yes or no yeah. you can take things away and add things in and see what happens on this stuff so that's what's so good about it knowing this stuff and it, it sounds complicated but getting it set up's not that not really not that hard um and then like i suppose the only other category of number it's quite hard to measure um online or at all it's quite hard to measure client success yeah um you can take it like right down to the 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 worst metric which is like what's my refund rate right when you work with enough people like how many people buy and then ask for their money back right there was that Um, you also talked about the uh the lifetime value rate as well yeah so that that's kind of it i think like for for a monthly recurring business if your lifetime value is really high chances are people are happy right yeah and if it's low chances are people either either your service is so good that people are getting better results than they ever thought possible in two months and leaving, or they are less happy with their service than that with your service than they'd like to be. You can it's probably that second one. It probably is. Yeah. You, you can look at things like, you know, how many people check in per week, how many people jump on my coaching calls per week. Um, how much, like, I think it's Amazon have this thing of like support tickets per order or something. Is there, um, customer metric. So it's, it's not, most people are like time to reply to a support ticket. Whereas Amazon view it as, as soon as someone has submitted a support ticket, they're already unhappy. Right. So the fewer of those we have, the happier everyone is. That's so like the key thing is, is like how long are people staying? That's the key thing. But if you want to dig into it, like why are people leaving? Well, you could look at, well, how many people check in each week? How many people get on the Q and a calls? How many, um, testimonials am i getting how many like emails are people saying saying they're confused or how many login problems am i having there's lots of different kind of down the line numbers yes but it's quite hard to to make sense of all of that um because it it can also be like you can also have people who don't check in every week but stay for 10 years and get not 10 years stay for several years and get great results because they don't need to check in right because they're they're just getting on with the program some of our best fitness clients like check in once a month and just submit before and afters at the end. So it's, uh, well, I think that's why it's important to kind of go back to that lifetime value. Yeah. And really see that as the kind of, uh, well, cause I think that the issue, not the issue, but a difficulty of being a business owner is that you have to wear many hats at different times when you're analyzing certain elements of the business. So mm. like in terms of, Oh, okay. Lifetime value. What does that signal? What, what hat am I wearing to that? So from a revenue perspective, I'm wearing this hat because it's related to marketing. And then from a coaching perspective, I'm wearing this hat because it's related to the quality of the service I'm providing. Um, and then, you know, if that lifetime rate is remaining consistent and that consistency is like, Oh yeah, they, they stay for a long time. Not that they stay for, not they stay for 10 minutes. Um, then, then you're, you're in a good place. And I, I mean, I, I think one thing is that, like, understand that the understand that the kind of lifetime value it's never going to be, as you said, it's not it's not going to be ten years because that's just not what the service of being a personal training coach is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if you think you're going to have a client for twenty years, unless you change a lot in line with how they change as a human being, um, then you're not going to have them for 20 years because you'll, you'll solve the problem they came to you for before 20 years. Otherwise you're not doing a good job anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and uh, yeah. And it's, I think like if, if your lifetime value is eight months, for example, um, 
but everybody who leaves after eight months is leaving because they hit their goal weight. That's awesome. Right. And if that happens in six months, but they're leaving for that reason, that's awesome. So the sort of the final number, which is associated with that a little bit is, um, churn or like cancel cancellation rate basically. So of your monthly recurring revenue, how many people leave each month? Right. So if you gain, if your conversion, if you're gaining 10 people every month, but 15 people are leaving every month, you're pouring water into a bucket with a massive hole in right? or a sieve. So, you know, the, 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 the simplest principle with this is that it is always, it is always easier to keep a customer and it's cheaper to keep a customer than it is to get a new one. And customers who've been with you for six months are more likely than someone who's been with you for six weeks to refer a friend or give you a testimonial. So you do want to be really treating your current customers as well as you can, giving the best service you can. Um, and if that churn is, if the number of people leaving is a high percentage, that's going to feed into a bad lifetime value, right? Lots of people are leaving. They're not staying very long. You'll get seasonal up and downs with this, like around Christmas or, or around or holiday. Corona up and downs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One in the fitness industry is yeah. seen. Yeah, um, so like you'll, you'll, things will happen where um, even just in a normal year, not just in 2020, but in a normal year where um, people go on holiday in July and August and they might take a break and come back um, or people want December off or they're away for January skiing or whatever it is, right? Um, so you have to take those things into account. But key thing is, you know, if you have an average cancellation rate of 1%, right? You have a hundred clients and what average on average one person leaves a month. And you know that that is, you're comfortable with that because you gain 10 clients a month, but suddenly your cancellation rate goes up to 5%. There's a problem, right? So, but because you know that, because you know, these things on average and you're not making emotional decisions, um, you can, you can react to them. It's like people rely on, on their like brain a lot. So they rely on their memory. Like, oh, I'm sure this is worse than normal. When actually they might be wrong. Right. I'm yeah, you, sure. might be having, you might just be having a bad day. Exactly. And then you're 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 painting everything in this negative light and you're like, uh, or or there's something that you don't really want to work because you don't enjoy doing it. <laughs> yeah, I think we've we've, we've had a fair share of those, that, haven't we? And we're like, oh, that worked. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's, yeah, it's like you, if you're up in that in the boat on the top in the stormy ocean, you're like, there's, there's always a storm. Storms are always happening when actually they're just like once a month in yeah. the last 20 hours. Then, you know, there's a very, you react very differently to that. You deal with the bad thing very differently um, and you spot things going wrong as soon as they go wrong. If your cancellation rate has gone up from the average and you know that for certain, you can figure out why, right? Yeah. Versus if you think like, oh, people always leave. This is just normal then you'll let something run too long. You'll not fix the problem soon enough. So that's a, that's a whistle stop tour of some numbers to think about. Yes. Yeah, if, if you want some more information, then is it, what's the URL propane business, propane dash business.com forward slash podcast. No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I've lied everyone. You can go to propane business, propane dash business.com if you want. Yes. Um, but if you're like wanting the, uh, the formal, info it's propinfitness.com forward slash business podcast um but really the thing they should do is just email us and and have a chat yeah 
So if you email us with the subject line Propane Business Podcast, that's Q Jump. That's VIP, like skip the line, cheap cheap tickets. Free shots on entry. Free shots on entry. You go into the room with like all the sparklers and the, with, Yusuf brings out the bucket of the champagne. I say. And he's wearing like on those tight things. That they yeah, with a sash. With a sash on. Hostesses wear. It says yeah. happy birthday. Exactly. <laughs> And Alex and I are DJing in there. We don't DJ anywhere else. We just DJ in the in the little VIP booth. So that's why you should email us. <laughs> <laughs> we should get it so that when people send a, an email with that subject line, it sends them auto replies back with a photo of Yusuf dressed up like a like a shop, like a, a I don't know what they're called. A shop girl, yeah. yeah. Or, or a shot guy. You know, shot I've never she's never seen a shot guy, but I'm sure they exist. Um, but yeah. On that note. <laughs> that bombshell. Right, see you later, guys. See ya. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels. The best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.